from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Adrian! Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On Deck Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm J. Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Webb, Rocky LaFleur, and we're very lucky to have with us one of the administrators from DuckSouth.com. You probably know him as Tool 2, Mr. Joel Williams is with us also today. Guys, great to be on here with you. Great to be here. It's good to be here, fellas. Hey, it's it, 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 it's a VIP day having Tool 2 on here, Mr. Administrator himself from Duck South. <laughs> yes, it is. I tell you what, we've had, you know, uh, Greenhead 22, and now we've got Joel on here with us. And, you know, we, we're going to today pick up where we left off uh, a couple of days ago. And if you happen to miss the podcast that we broadcast earlier in the week, I'd highly suggest you go back and listen to it because we've been discussing on the last couple of podcasts pressure and the effect that it has on ducks. And, and last week, or earlier this week, I, I apologize, we discussed a little bit hunting pressure, you know, what happens when season opens an area hadn't been hunted you come in there and hunt them and also the way that afternoon hunting and and other things affect the birds today we're going to touch on the two s's uh sanctuaries and scouting and um you know sanctuaries obviously are the opposite of pressure but what a lot of people don't realize is that you can put pressure on the birds as Rocky pointed out while we were talking earlier this week, out there scouting. So it's something that, that we want to visit. But first, let's start out. Joel, I know you hunted opening weekend uh, this past Saturday and Sunday in Arkansas. From what I understand, you really slayed them on Saturday. Um, tell me about that and tell me what the result was on Sunday also. No, hold, yeah, hold, we... he, he, hold on. He whacked them and stacked them, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Went back to camp and put them on the Bradley Spoker. <laughs> Did you have your Remington 877 shotgun? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Saturday was a uh, – everybody was leery. Um, there hadn't been birds in, in the area. Uh, we get there Friday afternoon and scout, and there was a, a decent number of birds. Um, so went ahead with plan A and – and hunted and the teal 
opening morning were they were there. So we ended up shooting. We had 30 birds by 7:30, and then they slowed down significantly and uh, picked up our last six over the the next hour, and we were done at at like 7:23, or excuse me, 8:23. Wow! Picked everything up, got out. Everything was looking good. Bird, we were seeing birds in the air all day Saturday. Um, get in there Sunday Sunday morning, and it was just nothing. Uh, we called the hunt at ten o'clock with six birds. It was a completely different day. And what do you was attribute it? that to? Sorry, Josh. Uh, pressure. No, no, no. That, that's exactly what I was about to ask. Yeah pressure that there was uh i don't think there was as many people hunting the the surrounding public land where we were uh but nobody in hunting the public land that we talked to did more than a handful of birds either uh there there weren't a lot and once they got shot out they were stale and we had more birds than just the the six work but they were stale on on the second day of season, they they did not want to work, so uh, we worked what we could and and got out. Well, did it did it seem like the uh, you know Arkansas is is full of you know what everybody refers to as reservoirs? The farmers use pump water and everything out of for their crops. Did it and those places always hold birds, but did it seem like they really loaded up after that first day on the reservoirs, or did it seem like they just moved out? It seemed like they moved out. We, where we were staying is basically 30 minutes from anywhere. So we would take back roads by default and ride around uh, looking, and there, there was just, there was no birds. Um, and there weren't that many birds there Friday either, but Saturday we had a good shoot. Don't know where they came from. I think they rode that front end Friday night, and they were right back out Sunday. You know, that, and that's what we alluded to in the podcast the other day is that, you know, you know, it's crazy that those those birds would leave after just being pressured one day, but it goes to prove the point what pressure on ducks, what it does to them. It, it will push them out, you know, especially, I mean, with right now in the South, if, if, with people listening to this podcast, you, we are so low on water that there's minimum areas that you can hunt and those areas that do have water i guarantee you that they are being hunted and that pressure being applied to those ducks they're gone yeah there was there was between a quarter and half of the water that we normally see wow. uh, the the fields we hunt uh, we daily a daily a pit every opening weekend up there and uh there's six fields in that little setup, and he only had two of them flooded. That's as much as he could get flooded before season. Well, that was you know, that was one of my questions, and I was Rock and I were talking about this about a week or two weeks before Arkansas season opened. Just is I generally hunt over there a lot too, and there's always people. Um, you know, there's just always going to be water over there because people are going to pump their fields. But I wondered this year because I haven't been over there. Um, if it seemed like as many fields had water on them, you know, coming into season as, you know, what a normal year would look like. Did it, it look? It did not look that way to me, no. It didn't look like there was nearly as many 
flooded fields. Um, and that was the big issue in the public woods by where we stayed is the river's low. Um, and I don't think the DNR has gotten their stuff pumped up good yet either. Look, Joel, I talked to uh, Up Too Early, David, and mm-hmm. he he called me from from somewhere up in northern Arkansas, and he was he was hunting he, some he public ground. He was right there where we were. Well, he uh, he look, he had to hunt the channel that going into some public ground. You know those channels that they dig out that you mm-hmm. everybody, you see the raceway on videos this week of everybody racing down these channels to get to a spot. By the time that they got there, all the places that did have a little bit of water, they they ended up were hunting the main channel, just kind of sitting in one of those channels. Yeah, he had a little bit of a debacle too. Um, he tell you about that? Yeah, the, about the water being so low, and he couldn't even drag his boat through a spot. Yeah, well, that and his son ran off up into a tree. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, no, we did not hear about that. Yeah, he called me making, sh- and I think he was looking for a ride to get some of his stuff home. But he got, I think, he ended up getting another board member to to help him get back home. Wow! Nothing good can ha- come from trying to park your boat in a tree. <laughs> this is true. No, no, but look, and I, I think this is really cool and something that speaks to to what we do here at Duck South is the amount of guys they're spread out everywhere and yet there's still Duck South members calling Duck South members to get oh, a hold yeah. of each other. Um, we and, were... and a bunch of them go hunt with each other, but but that's one real cool thing uh, with the site and that I see is, you know, kind of nowhere, no matter where you are, um, you know, there's a good chance that another member, uh, whether you may be real familiar with them or not, is, is somewhere close uh, whether you're hunting with them or not, uh, that's a, that's yeah. a really cool thing. Um, uh, that, yeah. that, that's really our six cool. man, like that. our six man pit opening weekend was was all members, um, and then we were staying at camp with one of those members, um, and there were two, four, six. There was probably close to a dozen other Duck South members within an hour of us, and we were all talking to each other. Yeah, that that's yeah. really cool. Some calls that's and... really cool, and that's what the community effect of of the site and everything that that we're doing really really builds on. Absolutely. So yeah, and really, I want really to throw cool. this out there too. You know, just because it's called DuckSouth.com doesn't mean that it's just for Southern duck hunters. Because we've got a lot of members that I have heard from and I've gotten to know, and and actually a couple that I'm going before their season close because they're further north in the flyway and they close a lot earlier than we do that have invited me to come up there and hunt so i mean the website is ducksouth.com but it is a it is a online community for all duck hunters you do not have to be a southerner you know we got guys from wisconsin michigan utah texas uh even one guy from new mexico that i know of that are, are members of the group and uh come to the website regularly. So I know we've got a lot of people uh, up north that are listening to our podcast right now and follow us and really appreciate that. So I don't want to make those guys ever feel alienated because the great thing about DuckSouth.com is it's a community for all duck hunters. Absolutely. All right, well, man, thank you for the report from Arkansas. Um, 
I want to remind everybody that this first half of the podcast has been brought to you by Hardcore Brands and Hardcore Decoys. Hardcore is makers of some of the most innovative and durable waterfowl products on the market today. And I'll also throw this in. This weekend is the Wings Over the Prairie Festival in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Of course, the World Duck Calling Championship will occur Saturday down on Main Street in Stuttgart. And I will also be down there with some of the guys from Hardcore. We've got a 53-foot trailer that we're bringing down there full of Hardcore merchandise. And we're going to be having a truckload sale right there on Main Street. Some incredible prices on Hardcore decoys. If you get a chance, stop by. If you're a Duck South member, please uh, let me know who you are. I'd love to see you there at the Wings Over the Prairie Festival at the Hardcore site on Main Street. Well, guys, let's take a look at two different things uh, Rocky brought up earlier, uh, sanctuaries and scouting. And, you know, we're going to start with sanctuaries. I know, um, Josh, you hunt around some refuges. Rocky, you hunt a big area there around Morgan City. And you've often told me that, that having a safe haven for those ducks is very important to your success. You know, so... Tell me about that, Rocky. What's your thoughts? I think that anybody that, that's on a club or have their own private land, you need to establish a sanctuary. And you need to have a place where those ducks, they know that they can go to. Same same concept as a refuge system. You need to have a place where the ducks can know they can go to and be safe, feed, and then kind of what's the word, kind of shift away from that sanctuary, you know, during the day. And those are the ducks you're going to be shooting at. So I think it's very, very important to establish a sanctuary on any block of land that, that you never shoot maybe until the last weekend or last week of the season. Your thoughts, Josh? Yeah, sorry, I was going in and out. Yeah, uh, I, agree, I agree with that. And that's something that, that we try to do um, hunting in the – the exact location where I am uh, kind of fortunate to have some places around, um, you know, that, that, are, that are refuges um, that allow no hunting. Um, and that definitely helps a lot. But, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing with, with the sanctuary to me is, is, you know, obviously we're hunting migratory birds. They can get up and leave if they want. But if they have a place where they know that they're safe, where they know they can hang out, and go to, uh, and even if you're not next to a refuge, like like where where I am, uh, if you have the ability to to set up any part of where you hunt in a refuge, uh, I I cannot encourage you enough to do it, um, because it, it it's only going to benefit you. That kind of goes right back to the what we said in the last podcast, Jay Paul, about you know quality over quantity. Um, you know you may have five or six holes to hunt on your club. Let one or two of them be a be a sanctuary uh, instead of pounding all of them day in day out day in day out and then being mad because you don't have anything to shoot. Um, you know, give them give them an area, uh, and yeah, I promise it will it will make a difference. Um, it it just it just does. It makes a difference when they have somewhere that they know that they have. Yeah, it may be a little frustrating because obviously when they figure it out that they're going to hold up there a lot of times and. You're sitting there telling yourself, "Well, dang, you know, we could we could be hunting that." But just have have the the, the big picture 
uh, in your mind of you know the importance of holding those birds and keeping them keeping them uh, you know or letting them have a safe area and keeping them close. Joel, how about you? I completely agree. Uh, the only issue with most of the places that we hunt is we don't have multiple holes in an area to to let rest uh, or to to keep as a refuge. So uh, in place of that, we only hunt them a couple of days a week. Um, so we, we try and keep the pressure to a minimum. Yeah, and I want to expand on that just a little bit because... You know, we all know that having a refuge, having a sanctuary is very important. But there are guys out there that um, are not able to do that. I mean, you know, I, I got a buddy that a couple of years ago came to me and said, hey, we we basically have a 150-acre block that we can hunt, and we've got two blinds on it, and uh, – you know, what do we do about that? We're not right next to a refuge. We don't have enough area to have our own sanctuary on our spot. And the answer to that is, okay, so if you do not have the area to do it to allow you to have a sanctuary, then you need to have controlled hunting. You know, you need to let the birds build up. I was talking in the last podcast about a couple of my buddies from Scottsboro, Alabama, that have a spot where to this day, they go in, they hit them hard, they pull back out, and they let the birds build back up. They don't put pressure on it every day. And they are next to a refuge. So, But but you can do that um, even with a small amount of acreage. If you can't have your own safe haven that you set up for the birds, then you need to try to limit the number of days that you hunt because, you know, in effect, you're a sanctuary three days a week. And I'll bring up something else really interesting because I ran into a TWRA uh, officer yesterday who's been listening to the podcast, and we were he was discussing it, and he'd actually listened to this week's podcast. He said, man, you know, you guys were, were right on, particularly when you talked about the rest days. And we have a couple of WMAs here that only allow hunting by draw on certain days. You can't hunt them every single day. and They've been taking a look at the statistics from those, and hunter success has been much, much better on those WMAs than ones that are open every single day to public hunting. And it's a model that they're going to use also um, on some of these WMAs that do not have their own refuge on them. So you brought up a really, really good point there, Joel. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, 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 that's exactly what I was going to say, Joel. That was an unbelievable point because most people, I'm not going to say most people, a lot of people don't have the acreage to have a, an established sanctuary. They don't have 2,000 acres and they leave 100 of it in sanctuary. You know, a lot of people have that small area, one hole that they're, you know, one hole that has two different blinds on it that they hunt. So I would say to those people that exactly what J. Paul just said, you know, and Joel both said, you know, cut it down to a minimum on the amount that you hunt and get out of there. Shoot your ducks and get out. You know, if you're hunting it one day, I would rather have one quality hunt on a hole than I would five days of below average hunting. Amen. I agree totally with that. And, you know, that kind of leads us into the second point. What's the number one thing that people love to do 
especially if you do have an established sanctuary on a place, what's the number one thing that they love to do? They love to jump on that ranger and ride and look at the number of the number of birds on that sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, they want to ride through and just see what all gets up. And you know, that's I, I think the, about the best term for it in, in in terms of of not doing that is scout from a distance. I mean, if it takes standing up in the bed of your truck or on your toolbox to look from three or four hundred yards away or even farther with a pair of binoculars, do it. Don't. I mean, yeah, it's cool to see whatever how many that many ducks or geese in the air, but I mean, that's pressure on them. You're putting unneeded pressure on them when you do that. Just scout from a distance. Take, I mean, go that extra step. And and I did it today when I when I rode out to rode out to the lodge or whatever. There's you know there were some birds in somewhere. I parked way down the road, got out, stood on the bumper, and looked down through binoculars and could see everything I needed to see, wanted to see. And and that's it. And you know they they're still there and fine. I could have pulled over on the levee that they were swimming next to and and watched them all get up. But just don't do that. The importance of scouting from a distance. A lot of people don't understand that either. Um, well, I put it in. I put it in really easy terms to understand. You know, we've got a saying at my club: uh, if you want to thump them, don't bump them. And you know, yeah, I like you know, that. If you got a lot of birds there, everybody wants to scout. What they don't realize is they'll come in and there'll be a field full of ducks, and they'll, they'll the day before, and they will, particularly if those ducks are not extremely established in there, they will get they will pull up, stop, watch all the birds get up. Now some of them will probably come back when you leave, but if they're not very well established, a lot of them you've just bumped them and they're not going to return. You know, that brings up a good point that uh, a fellow member uh, of the site was hunting in South Louisiana this week for the opener, and all he was watching all these guys go out the day before season to scout and find birds, and they would ride their boats right through the middle of them, and they're having mediocre hunts. Whereas our friend was out there, he would scout them, see them. Market on GPS, go back to it the next day without touching them, and they were they were smashing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, people not understand that running a boat right alongside of them, it's just like shooting a shotgun. I mean, you, if you're if you're scaring the birds, you're going to make them wary in the future, and you're not going to have as much success. You know, a great investment for anybody is a quality pair of binoculars or a spotting scope. You want to take a look at your farm, see where your birds are. Hey, that's fine. I mean, I want to know. I've got guys coming in. We've got five fields flooded. I've got three groups that are going to hunt Saturday. You know, I want to know where to put them, and I want to know where to tell them to stay away from also. But when I go out there to scout, I'm going to be doing it through a spotting scope at a distance. Yeah, we're yeah. not going to run those birds off. We're going to let them build in there. And uh, I think that very few people, and I know there are a lot that do know, but but there are a lot of people that don't. Very few people understand just how much pressure and impact scouting can have on the birds and on your hunting. And I'll tell you something else, too, um, that we have observed and and. This is more of an observation. I don't have scientific evidence 
to back it up. But you know, uh, white bars on the front of boats and on UTVs, side-by-sides, ATVs are becoming really, really popular. You know, those great big old light bars that light up for a mile in front of you. Well, I've heard some anecdotal um, stories. There's some anecdotal evidence that says, and then I've seen firsthand on our farm, that if you want to run all the birds off and really diminish your shooting that morning, Come in 30 minutes before legal shooting time if you're holding a, roosting a bunch of birds with a, one of those three-foot light bars on top of your ranger wide open and drive right through the middle of your farm and see what happens. Man, when that light comes on, those ducks get up. Last year, I was hunting in a spot on the one side of the farm, and we had a lot of birds in the middle and, and in my direction. and a uh, guy comes over the top of a levee into the body of the farm on a ranger with a big light bar on it, and he was a mile away, and there were ducks that were sitting tight in the field in front of me. We'd come in, hadn't bothered him at all. He's a mile away, and there was a mass exodus as soon as that light went on, and most of them didn't come back. So, I don't, Jay Paul, that, that, so, so, what, so what you're saying, Jay Paul, is spotlighting ducks isn't good. <laughs> you know uh, that that's interesting because I see a lot of guys using those to you know say they're going to hunt you know a field or whatever and pull them right to the edge of the water and shine it out there and use it to throw decoys out get everybody in the blind and and get everything settled and then you know turn the light off and park the ranger gator whatever it is so I don't that's uh I don't, that's interesting to hear that side of it um because. Yeah, I see it used, I mean, obviously on the front of boats, too, guys are using it for the same thing, to see where they're going and then, uh, you know, to, to use it as a tool to throw out their, uh, you know, throw out their decoys and get everybody settled. But I haven't heard much of the, you know, it'll, it'll mess I mean, I can, I can see the point. I can see it definitely messing yeah. up a roost, you know. We we do um, it. We, uh, we definitely do it. But there's also something to be said about stealth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, after that experience, a little while after that, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine um, who has a place in the Boot Hill of Missouri, and he's got an Eight Wheel Argo, and he's got a super nice light bar on it. And it is nice for safety, but I was telling him about that experience. I I saw his light bar on his Argo, and I said, hey, do you use that going in to your pit uh, in the morning? He said, not anymore. I said, really? Why not? He said, well, you know, we, we've we got a little sanctuary out in front of us, and we roost a lot of birds. We've got an area on the farm we do not hunt that's, you know, only 100 yards or so out in front of the pit. And he said, we found that we'd come in, we'd see all these ducks leaving in the light, and uh, we didn't do as well. And we got to thinking about it. He said, so now we just go in by the headlights, the light bar. You know, if I need it, I'm going to flash it on, but when I'm coming in to hunt, he said, I just leave the damn thing off because I don't want to have it run those birds off. And uh, I never really thought about that until that morning last year when I see all these birds. That it, I mean, we had we had driven a uh, four-wheeler right into the blind. And, you know, when we cut it off, you could hear ducks quacking in front of us and hear them splashing and stuff out there. But, man, when that ranger came into that field, 
And uh, as soon as it popped over, you could see on the horizon there was somebody there, and then boom, this ranger pops up over the levee, and the light bar was unbelievably bright on that thing. And the bird in front of us just got up and left. Um, so I've heard from other people that have similar experiences. I'd like to hear from some of our DuckSouth.com members uh, on the forums. You know, give us your feedback and your thoughts on that also. Hey, I got a I got a crazy uh, black helicopter conspiracy theory that I've always believed since I started guiding. All right, I'll put and my tinfoil hat on. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you guys what you think about this. Do you believe that waterfowl, this is ducks and geese, send out a scout early in the morning? No. Mm-mm. I've heard that, but I've never seen anything to convince me of it. I swear geese do it. I swear geese send out a scout and find a spot, and then the rest of them get up and go to that spot. Because it's always one lone goose that always goes out about 10 minutes before the big group gets up. <laughs> you know, I know I know that there are geese that when they're feeding their, their birds in the flock, their job is to be a sentry and to watch out. But I, I don't believe that they send out scouts. I believe in a lot of crazy things. I think in the last podcast we talked about imprinting. I truly believe that there's evidence to support that ducks have something similar to GPS. I think homing pigeons are, are very good evidence of that, that it can happen in birds. But I do not believe that they send out a scout. I don't think that there's some ninja warrior that, that you know blacks himself out and goes stealthily looking to see if a spot is safe. But hey, Rocky, that was a waste of my tinfoil hat. <laughs> how in the how how does he communicate back to the rest of them? You know what if what if he gets his ass shot when he shows up? He's got ESPN. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't I don't know. I I haven't seen anything to convince me of that one. I have heard of that though, Rocky. I have I have heard of people saying that. Um, but, but look, I I, I am I, a stickler. I am that stickler of a guide when it comes to when we get in a hole five or ten minutes before um, before a hunt starts, everybody's headlamps are going off. We're letting those birds come in. We're not doing anything to negatively affect those those birds, you know, the first five or ten minutes before shooting time starts. I agree there. Uh, yeah, no, because yeah, those I, birds I may come that. right back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, well, I, I, that. I, I, I I've seen that. I believe if birds come into a spot and they get flared and they bounce out and there's another wave right behind them, when they see them pulling out and moving on, a lot of times they just go, okay, maybe that's not a safe place, and they just attach with that lead group. Now, do I think that they're scouts per se? No. I just think it's, you know, you got ducks coming in, they get flared, the next group sees that and they react to that, but I don't think that they're actually – you know, wearing little headsets on there, have radios communicating with one another in some way. You know, through <laughs> All right. you're, you're taking it a little <laughs> bit too far now. Yeah, Leroy's down. Leroy's down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, are the rest of them just hovering around listening like, nope, he got shot. We're going the other way. You know, they, <laughs> then, they, then, they, then they got to flip a coin for who does it the next morning. You know, they got to, uh-oh, who's up next, you know. Uh, is there is there that one there there's got to be that one prize scout that's lived for like three years now 
you know he's he's like the the real ninja you know he's he's lived it he's come back every time and said it's good to go you know uh, he's a legend amongst uh, the flock. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the other when the other ducks are feeding in the field, you know they swim by him at a little bit of a distance, whispering, "Yeah, man." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah that's him. Can I go yeah. over and talk to him? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Just let him do his thing, man. Just let him do his thing. You know. <laughs> oh man, people wonder why duck hunters are crazy. <laughs> because we sit in the duck blind and talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, this is this is the stuff exactly that right. we're led to. You know, my sister once uh, made me a, a a little collage deal. <laughs> I still remember it to this day. It's stuffed away in the attic or something. She did this years and years ago when she was a teenager. But it said, the poor duck hunter sits in his blind. He's cold in front, wet behind. He spent nearly 3000 bucks just to try and kill some silly ducks. <laughs> Absolutely. That's true. pretty appropriate. No, too. that is the truth. You, you've I seen the meme on the internet. Yeah, you see the meme on the internet that says, Daddy, can duck hunting make you a millionaire? He goes, Yes, son, if you start out as a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You have a guy ducking, he can eat for a day, teach him to duck hunt, and he'll be broke the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, well, listen. Uh, Holidays coming up. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Rocky, I'm sure you'll have this out by then. Um, we've all got. Yeah, hey, hey, lot. ask Joel. Hold on before you go. Ask Joel. Joel, where do you rank Thanksgiving on your holiday list? This is something we talked yeah, about last podcast. Oh. Last last podcast. It, it has to be probably. It's number one. You know, because it's Duckmas Eve. It's Duckmas Eve. Amen. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I don't know. We had somebody, I can't remember who it was, but they said that, that it was so low on their list they wouldn't even rank it among among holidays. For whatever reason, they just, Thanksgiving was not that big a deal you know, for them. No. I can't remember who that was. We were talking about it in the last podcast, but that was just kind of crazy to us. Yeah, Simply it, crazy to me. All right, Joel, it. while we've got you on here, too, i got two questions for you also. Um we haven't had we haven't had the resident fat boy Houston Kennedy on with us as our co-host in a while, so we haven't asked asked this question. But uh, Saturday morning, when if I were to go rummaging around in your blind bag looking for a snack, what am I going to find? Dunkin' Donuts coffee and donut sticks. <laughs> donut sticks and Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Uh, are, are you are, are you are you in a bad mood if it's not that exact combination every time? No, the the um the carb can can vary. Uh, yeah. It has to be it has to be Dunkin' Donuts coffee though, or it's just not yeah. right. Yeah, just as long as it's carb overload of of some sort. Oh yeah, first thing I did when we got to camp Friday was put my bag in and went and found the coffee maker because I'd brought my own bag of coffee. Cool. All right, second question that I've got for you. We talked about this last time. I want to hear your opinion. If if you're driving down the road and you call one of your buddies, and when he answers, he's got you on speakerphone with with family members or other people in the truck. What do you think telephone etiquette dictates that 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 person should do? Or if it's you with other people in the truck and you answer and have the person on speakerphone. If I'm calling somebody and they've got me on speaker, they probably usually pretty quickly take me off. 
because uh, <laughs> because I've already said something offensive. <laughs> so 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 <laughs> what should they do if you're driving down the road and one of your buddies calls and you've got somebody in the truck with you, maybe their child, and you've got them on speakerphone. What should what should the time frame be, and what should you do? Uh, well, that's why Derek, you, that's why you send a scout, Jake Paul. Yeah, that's right. Post haste, and uh, <laughs> and I pick it up and and take it off speaker. All right. I called Rocky Lafleur up the other day, and he let me talk for twenty minutes. And my mom's still devastated right now. She just came to the house earlier. She's still devastated. <laughs> Yeah, she was hurt. I saw her. I had to talk her through some stuff. I mean, she it was. It was a rough time. She was like, I ain't never heard a white boy talk like that before. She <laughs> <laughs> oh, out there. She was hoping it was Jay Paul. She came in, brass knuckles in her pocket, all kind of stuff. Man. No, she did not. She, she was very happy. gracious and nice. But, but Joel, <laughs> but Joel, I'm sorry, dog. No, he let me talk for 20 minutes and dropped three or four expletives before he finally told me not only his mom, but his children. Oh, that's glorious. So, I I just wanted your take on that before we let you go. Well, we always close, and earlier this week, I had a listener send me a text message. He said, you know what? You guys always give your final thoughts. Uh, I look at that as your parting shot, you know? So, uh, I kind of like that. I think we all let that stick if you guys agree. And, uh, Joel, you're our special guest this week. So before we close out, I'm going to give you a chance for your parting shot first. Well, on the same thread that we've already discussed, scout, 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 but scout smart. That's very good. Very good. Josh, how about you? Yeah, I'm I'm going to follow that, too, uh, especially with season finally getting here in Mississippi. Um, you know, in a couple of days, Arkansas being open. Uh, just I know it's here, but just take the time and remember that, look, just scout from a distance. Be smart about it. But don't mess up your opening day, especially. You know, don't don't just blow in there uh, after a big Thanksgiving lunch and want to check everything out and then not have anything to do, uh, you know, opening morning. Uh, just scout safe and be safe and be safe. Um, that That's a big thing. And, I, uh, yeah, just be safe. All right, Rocky LaFleur, the illustrious one. Tell us what you got. All right, first thing is keep Wild Turkey Tom. Keep him on the uh, keep him straight this weekend at all the duck clubs out there because I know how he gets on opening weekend. So, um, first thing, happy Thanksgiving to all the On the X listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, there's a lot of consistency and the the podcast is really growing. So I'm going to give my thanks to you guys for, for what, you know, for listening to all these crazy podcasts. Good grief. We've had a, we've had a great time. We enjoy doing them. We thank you for, for listening to them and happy Thanksgiving. But the last thing that I'm going to say today is Josh is about to, we're about to record a live migration report You'll be able to find that on my Facebook page and the DuckSouth.com Facebook page. Go look that up. It's all the recent reports from all across the United States from the most trusted guides in the United States. They're going to tell us the numbers of ducks that they're seeing in their area and what they're seeing. 
It's going to be one of the most accurate reports that you'll ever see on the migration of ducks. But thank you guys again. We enjoy doing this every week for you guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Good to be here, guys. Yeah, hey, and, I, and it's also going to be in uh, – uh, Rocky, uh, you left out the fact that it's also going to be in the email. If you're a subscriber, then you'll be getting that information also. And uh, please encourage your buddies also to subscribe to the DuckSouth.com newsletter. I know Rocky and Josh are both producing stuff for that. We've got some pretty interesting stuff coming up in the future. I want to tell everybody out there that listens to us, I want to thank you guys for our growth has been awesome. I mean, Rocky and I were discussing this just a few days ago. Joel, Josh, I know you've probably seen it. We are uh, – I mean, it's growing exponentially, the people that are following this, this podcast. We welcome your feedback. We've got the forums there at DuckSouth.com. Personally, I'd like to hear more about what you guys would like to see us discuss in the future on this podcast because we want to keep on making it better and better. But my parting shot before we go goes back to, by now I'm sure, that crazy video that by now I'm sure – Many of you guys have seen that was recorded Saturday morning at Big Lake, a, a public hunting area in northeast Arkansas, in the boat race. And, uh, you know, Arkansas this year, I think it was about three months ago, put into effect a law or rule on the uh, management areas that one boat shall not pass another one on the way out in the morning. But apparently they should have modified that to say one boat shall not ram another one on the way out because it was absolutely ridiculous and crazy. And, you know, we're under fire as hunters all the time for lots of things. Um, And not all of the public, even in Arkansas, supports hunting, particularly on land that is public. So, man, guys, be smart. That's got to be one of the craziest and stupidest things that I've ever seen out there. I know that most hunters um, are very, very ethical, and uh, you know, but we don't need to be giving other people fuel by doing just stupid stuff to have them hate on us. So if you are going to hunt public land, hey, you know that boat race is not that important. It's not worth someone getting hurt over. It's not, which is even more important than keeping our right to hunt. It's also not worth giving the antis fuel for their fire. So in my parting shot, I just want to encourage everybody to go out there this Thanksgiving weekend, have a great time hunting, but be very, very safe doing it along the way. And with that said, happy Thanksgiving on behalf of Josh, Joel, and Rocky. Hope everybody has a great holiday, and I certainly hope you've enjoyed this edition of the On The X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com.